Greetings, this is Jason Hill, and this is the podcast version of Into the Gap, which airs every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central on WCGO Radio, 1590 a.m. and 95.9 FM in Chicago. Let's get to this week's episode. Here's my co-host, Mike Shrek. Good morning. There we go. This is Mike yeah. Sherrick. This is Into the Gap. I'm with my co-host, Jay, Jason Hill, and Jason's out in Elgin today, still hunkering down through the global pandemic that we're experiencing. Good morning, Jay. How are you? Hey, Mike. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. How's, uh, how you doing out there? I'm doing well, uh, grading papers and posting grades and taking all these online courses for teaching remotely next week. Yeah. Uh, our spring semester starts on Monday. Oh, does it really? And also dealing with the panic and the anxiety of my students who need a lot of reassurance about how the semester is going to go. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, there's just, you know, that's one of the things we're going to talk about, you know, the, the impact of the pandemic, not just from the, the possible health impact, but really from the, the spiritual, psychological and personal impact that this is having. That's what we're going to talk about today. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it, it's funny, Jay, I just, um, one of my, one of my uh, clients just wrote a paper on leading in the pandemic and the, and the first, the first point that he made is just you know, operate like everybody's upset, you know, everybody's freaked out. Everybody, you know, is going to come from some place of all they can think about is themselves and their own survival right now. Yeah. And so it's consistent with that, that you're talking about, you know, here's your students, you know, the world's kind of in this state of disarray. And the first place they're going to go, you know, how do I get an A in my, in your class, you know, Professor Hill, you know, which is when you think about it, big picture isn't a very powerful question, but it's just so normal, you know, given what we're dealing with. Well, I think, I mean, I, 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 you know, I mean, you know, I'm very critical of the current generation, generation Z and, and, and their, 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 our culture's tendency to treat them as protracted children and yeah. constant infantilization. But I think that, you know, I understand when we're used to living on a normalcy yeah. or normality and the new normal is something that, especially when you're a young person and you really don't, necessarily have a track record of living yeah. a life of overcoming obstacles and obstacles and more obstacles. And this is your first major challenge um, and living under a new normal. I mean, I, I, I can sort of psych- psychologically understand why their, their, their studies are thrown into disarray. Some of them are not going to graduate. Yeah. Um, where this, where this, you know, his, not hysteria, it's a sort of panic comes from. Yeah. Well, and if, especially kids who, you know, these are kids who we're, we're living in an age of what I call an infodemic, where we have a massive amount of information yeah. with, not, with not enough uh, uh, criteria for how to parse through this information yeah. and adjudicate among claims, which ones are true, which ones are, are false, which right. ones are, are, are contingent. Which ones are relevant even. Which yeah. ones are relevant, yeah. um, you know how to extrapolate from past cases onto onto new cases i mean it's a it's a tough job this hello this is what their education was all about yeah especially in the humanities teach them critical thinking teach them how to think how to evaluate how to appraise um but uh you know and and, go ahead i'm sorry no so i can sort of understand why they're why some of them are, are are sort of really stressed out yeah i mean you know i know my you know, my perspective, you know, what I do all the time is, you know, I'm, I'm always listening for, you know, where are people coming from? What's informing their, their mindset, their mentality? 
And um, yeah, it's when you think about the the Gen Z guys, right? Um, and their uh, how insulated they've been most of their lives, and how protected they've been, and, and how they're you know they've been they've been um, protected from any form of stress. And now to be thrown into this with everyone yeah. else, it, it I, I'm surprised they're not even more freaked out than they are. You know? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So cool, man. Um, so we were going to talk about today. We're going to talk about um, the pandemic and, and the impact it's having on people, not the people that are infected, but everybody else, because it's about, you know, about a 10% of the people are actually getting tested. And of the people yeah. getting tested, it's about 90% test negative. So when you think about it, it's about 1% of the population right now is, is That's right. truly infected. Um, yet it's, you know, this, I, I just shared with someone this morning, everybody's impacted by this. Everybody. I don't know of anyone who's not impacted by this. Well, well, I don't know because, I mean, I think we're under testing. I mean, it's, I don't know that we can say it's 1% when, when. No, it, when it, all- yeah, it's grossly under tested. It's gross under testing, so yeah. we don't really have an accurate figure on the on the on the on the people who are infected. I mean, I think yeah. more. I think it's what up to eighty five thousand people in the states. I I probably and I'm not a catastrophist, and I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm, I always err on the side of caution as a, you know, as a, as a social as a philosopher, yeah. and I think that it's probably double that amount. Oh, Jay, my guess is probably it could be as much as ten times. I, I think this has been. Yeah. I think this has been going on longer. As a matter of fact, as I'm starting to read the symptoms of the mild cases of, of coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, I was down at that convention at the end of January and there were people yeah. from all over the globe there and, and people who recently traveled from all over the globe. So, and it was, you know, 5,000 people. And, yeah. um, you know, about a week and a half after, after I got home, I was really sick for about seven or eight days. Yeah. I, don't, I don't get sick like, sick like that, you know? And it was, it was an us upper respiratory thing. Can I say I had coronavirus? No, but I had a lot of the symptoms of it. You know, I had the fevers, I had the, the, the sweating, I had the, the clogged nose and the, the coughing up of the phlegm and the whole thing. And, you know, yes. and, um, and I've had pneumonia before, so I kind of know what it is. And it wasn't quite, it wasn't like as bad as a case of pneumonia, but it was, you know, I was pretty miserable for about five or six days and then it just went away. And, yeah. and so, you know, I, I think there's a lot of that too. I think there's, I, the thing that's that's really surprising to me is the variation of the impact of people that do get it. You know, there's there was uh, Sean Payton, the, the head coach of uh, New Orleans. He was sick for about three days where he had like what he said was a really bad cold, and he tested positive for it. And yeah. then there's other people, you hear their testimonies about what happened to him. It's, it's horrible. And then, of course, there's the, you know, the 1,500 or 1,600 people that have passed away from it. And, those, yeah. and most of those have had underlying health issues, you know. So it, it's, it's just, it's a strange thing and we don't have enough data on it. You know? I know. I know. My, we lost a family friend last week. He yeah. was in his sixties and he was pretty healthy yeah. in, Atlanta, in Atlanta. He caught it. And in two days, he was three days. He was gone from yeah. pneumonia. And my 25 year old cousin tested positive for it. Very healthy, strong mm-hmm. young man. Yeah. Um, and uh, I know two more people. I have two more friends in Atlanta um, in their forties, fifties, mm-hmm. uh, no health problems and they tested positive for it oh wow um so i've known now in the past and then my mom's has, has again other family friends mm-hmm. i think i think i personally know about eight people yeah um, yeah that i'm not in personal contact with they're in different states who have tested positive for it yeah 
Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 yeah. around, man. It's impacting everyone, and it's 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 a big deal. This is not a hoax. I mean, it's this is a thing. It's just it's you know it, it, the thing is it's an unknown thing. I think, and and we don't know what there is for us to to do about it. And I think that's the thing we're going to get into in the second yeah. segment is, uh, you know, really relying on your critical was, thinking. So. Yeah. 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 There's so much things we have to talk about. I have a lot of things I want. One, one, one cause for celebration is Trish Reagan from Fox news has been, I think, let go for calling this an impeachment scam. Wow. When I read that, I jumped to the roof. I was like singing hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. You know, because so, that is just reckless. Yeah. Irresponsibility. Yeah, you were ta- talking about Trish Reagan got bumped. From- well, I just want to say, I mean, it's a minor point. There, there's so many other things I want to talk about, like the yeah. stimulus package and uh, and 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 my, my views on that. But when Trish Reagan, you know, I mean, she's part of the ways with Fox because when this thing first started, like, and I speak again, as everybody knows, I'm a conserv- independent, conservative independent. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm really going to, as a, as a, as a thinker, I have a job to come down really hard on the left and come down really hard on the right. Cause yeah. I didn't drink the Kool-Aid and I'm not a part of any party. Yeah. So when she, when she, when she called this whole thing, nothing more than an impeachment scam, along with a lot of Republicans, including the president, he didn't call it an impeachment scam, but he said it was a, a conspiracy or something like that to, uh, to, to oust him and, and took, took it lightly. Yeah. Uh, this is part of the problem. You know, the president closing down uh, the National Security Council pandemic uh, response team in 2018, yeah. which was a travesty against the advice of scientists who said, Mr. President, don't do this. A pandemic is coming. The man is not a scientist. He needs to listen to seasoned experts outside of his field. And then people like Trish Reagan and other conservatives who to this day are still treating this thing like it's the flu when it's not the flu, yeah. like it's a hoax or like it's something to be taken very, very lightly. Yeah. And uh, so that was just a moment of vindication for me because um, this is something quite serious. And the, the whole idea that, you know, the whole idea that it's being flouted by conservatives and Republicans that mainly that the economy is going to rebound or recover in the midst of a health crisis is pure magical thinking yeah right when our when our healthcare system is taxed when households are living in complete destitution and businesses are plagued by bankruptcy how is the economy going to recover i mean and people are just sitting back accepting this without thinking like how is an economy going to recover in the middle of a serious health crisis where consumer demand for most major goods are are are, are bottoming out right now yeah yeah no everything everything's been put on hold and when you I, I think that's one of the strangest things about this jay um most business cycles you know are, are cyclical you know there's a there's a curve to them and yeah. and what's going on here is what you're seeing is this complete stopping of all activities you know everything was fine on march 12th and on march 13th it's like the lights went out. And I don't think we've ever seen anything like this economically, you know, emotionally, anything like this. We've never dealt with this. And, and, and it, that's why I've been pointing to this is where real leadership comes into play because what's needed is someone to and, – and, and there will be mistakes made. And, and there has to be some level of engagement even if it's just communicating like, listen, we got to hang low for four weeks or three weeks or whatever it is. That's why some of these yeah. governors have done a really good job. I, I was never a big fan of Andrew Cuomo. I thought, I think Andrew Cuomo's doing a fantastic job. 
you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that's really what leadership is. Leadership isn't so much using, you know, it, it, it's not so much like using your experience and strategy. It's actually pointing to the future and saying, this is the way we're going to go. And you, you use what you have. You know, it's what made this country great. There wasn't a lot of data when people came over here in the, you know, 1700s and 1600s. They just kind of came here out of a vision and an opportunity and a commitment. And, and I, that's the kind of leadership that's going to be, and I'm not talking about magical thinking. I'm talking about really looking at taking the small amount of information you have, parceling through it like you were pointing to. How, how, do, you, how do you parcel through the information and the data and use it in a way that can forward move? And, it, and it, it's a complex process, and we haven't we haven't created it yet. And, and that's the that's the thing that's uh, that's well, the thing that's most startling for me. Yeah, you you can't you can't parse through information when facts themselves are being politicized. When you have the no. president of the United States talking about calling the COVID virus the Wuhan or the Chinese virus, thereby ill-equipping people to to take seriously. What is a pandemic? Mm-hmm. You 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 disqualify people from even thinking. You just you 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 disarm them from their the resources that they have cognitively of making sense. When you yourself, as a leader of the nation, is calling this the Chinese or the Wuhan virus, yeah. what kind of reckless, ignoble response, irresponsibility is that? Well, you know, well, again, what I'd love to see is a putting on hold all politics for right now and just really, you know. And, and, and that's part of the absence of leadership. Anytime, anytime there's anything, like in, in a crisis situation, any, any resource that's applied to anything other than taking care of the crisis is a waste of resource. That's right. And that's why I'd like to talk to you about what you think in the, on the relief package. What do, what do you think about it? On the what? On, on this, this recently, the, the $2 trillion relief package. Well, I'll tell about. you what I think about it. I yeah. think that, and I'm, you know... I, Clearly, I'm not a socialist. I'm yeah. a staunch advocate of almost laissez-faire capitalism. Yeah. But I'm t- I tell you what I want. I don't want a bailout. I want a buyout. As a taxpayer, I want equity in the companies that we are saving. Mm-hmm. And I think it is if, if we're going to have the stimulus package, I don't want a situation mm-hmm. where CEOs are going to still have you know, their private jets yeah. and their, their $50 to $100 million salaries while the American laborers and the American mm-hmm. workers get stiffed, like what happened in the 2000, in the, in the, in the buyout under the Bush slash Obama regime. I mean, Bush set this thing up yeah. and then Obama administered the, the bailout. Yeah. And what you had was, work, again, just, you know, the CEOs um, pocketing and upper management and uh, pocketing most of this money and, and, and not managing their wealth reserves yep. properly. Yep. And the workers getting stiff. So, I, I, in this case, I think the taxpayers demand some kind of fair share in, it's, it just makes sense. It's our tax yeah. money. Yeah. The government is nothing but an appropriative, yeah. dare I say it, thief who mm-hmm. steals from us to, well, they're not really, but they steal from us to fund a lot of illegitimate services of government, but they appropriate, they take from us our tax dollars to fund the proper services of government, and then they take more from us to fund illegitimate services of government, yeah. which then borders on theft. Well, well, that's corruption. That's corruption. So if they're taking yeah. our tax dollars yeah. to do a stimulus bailout, I want, as a taxpayer, a fair share. I want a return on my investment. Yeah, That's how I want to see this discussion go, yeah. right? Because I think this is just going to be a repeat of the same old 
corrupt way in which bailouts go. And the American workers are going to get stiff. When Mitch McConnell, that man who should probably try, tried for crimes against decent humanity, is so afraid of a stimulus package because what? The unemployment payouts are going to be too much yeah. because the American work, the unemployed American workers are going to end up with, God, God forbid, a couple hundred extra dollars in their pockets. Yeah. That is sheer evil. Yeah. Right. Well, I feel very passionately about, as I feel passionately about almost anything, including my toenails and, <laughs> uh, or, you know, a, a, a piece of paper lying on the floor. I'm just, I just, I feel intensely about life and about these things. Yeah. And I, and, uh, and I think when you've got a stimulus package being held up on both sides um, for different reasons, but what, really hurt me the most on behalf of the American people this week was when on the, on the Republican side, there was this fear that the average American worker, unemployed worker was just going to get a little bit too much money. Yeah. Now, when, again, I go back to the point when households are in destitution, it's, it's simple common sense. How do people think that a, an economy is going to recover when the Ameri average American household is 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 in destitution. Yeah, doesn't make sense. So that's my that's my view on the 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 bailout. Now the idea that somehow again we can recover when we're in a, a national crisis, health crisis, is magical thinking. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get back to this thing that you and I were talking about about flattening the curve. Yeah, and how do we flatten the curve? Well, scientists have all agreed almost unanimously, if not unanimously, that in, during a pandemic, in order to get a hold on the pandemic, something called flattening the curve has to be, has to be, uh, 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 has to be, you know, you have to obtain. Mm -hmm. China flattened the curve. Now, the questions to America is, we know how China flattened that curve. Yeah. Through some draconian measures. We are Americans. We value our liberty, our freedom of association, or mobility, or, 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 or we value freedom. Mm -hmm. Right. And the question is, what do we value more? And it's not just our own lives. We also are trespassing on the individual rights of other people yeah. when we infect other people. Yeah. It's a form of, it's a form of violence. It's a form of force. When you mm -hmm. cough in a train, when you cough in a subway and you are infected, you are violating the health of another person. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about our personal freedom. It's also what's entailed in violating the individual rights of another person to their right, to their health and their bodily integrity. Yeah. And these are fundamental philosophical questions that Americans have to think about. Well, it, it's so interesting. No, yeah. yeah. I, I think we've actually dealt with that problem once before during the AIDS epidemic. Um, you know, we had, we had men that were infected with HIV that were going out and having unprotected sex with other men. And that was actually a form of violence and a form of, you know, for lack of a better word, attempted murder. Um, so I, I, you know, when we talk about freedom and liberty, I always err on the side of that. You know, I, I'm, I'm a big libertarian and I believe that what makes this country fantastic and unique is the ability for individuals to have the right of choice. But the thing that we leave out and we, where we abuse this right of freedom and liberty is when we don't take into account the responsibility that comes with that, you know, and, and, and you see it in gun rights, you know, you know, I'm a big believer in the second amendment and there's been a lot of, a lot of 
irresponsible usage of weapons. You know, I'm a, you know, I'm a big believer in letting people drive their cars. And, and if you drink too much, you can't drive the car. And then there's a, there's a consequence to that. So it, it really is about what I see is missing here. And this falls into the world of leadership too. And the absence of leadership is individual responsibility. Um, and, and that's really what I see this as a call for. I actually see this as an opportunity. I'm not as, I, I'm always a glass half full guy, but I see this as a real opportunity for us to actually invoke real change when this thing gets over and we have to get through this thing, you know? Yeah. Well, so, yeah. Unfortunately, there's such a paucity of leadership. I mean, Andrew Cuomo is the mm-hmm. only person I see really sort of, you know, he, he he's, he's, he's stating the facts. He's not yeah. guilty of hyperbole. Yep. He's not, he's not a, he's not a drama king. Yeah. Uh, he's not guilty of, he's not a catastrophist. He's dead in the fact. Um, but at the same time, he's also trying to inject some sort of common sense that's saying yeah. incrementally we have to reopen the economy. We got we to gotta take a break so we can open our economy. And we'll be back in uh, two minutes. This is Mike and Jay, and we'll talk to you in two minutes. Jason Hill here, and I want to let you know that you're listening to the podcast version of Into the Gap, which airs every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. Central on WCGO Radio. Tune in live from 1590 a.m. and 95.9 FM, the Smart Talk app. Tune in or WCGORadio.com. The podcast is available from Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Find it, rate it, and subscribe. If you'd like to get in touch about the show or inquire about sponsorship opportunities and rates, please reach out to my co-host Mike at MikeShrek at gmail.com. Dallas Cowboy Hall of Fame coach Tom Landry once said, a coach is someone who has you see what you don't want to see and has you hear what you don't want to hear so you can always be the person you knew yourself to be. Hello, I'm Mike Sherrick, founder and president of the Mike Sherrick Group and Mike Sherrick Coaching. We are an executive coaching and leadership development organization with offices in Berwyn, Illinois and Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Successful organizations begin with the self-awareness and authenticity of its leaders. And in today's world, we are all leaders. If you or your organization has a big vision or you know there's another level you can go to, please give us a call at 630-643-6336. If you're one of the first three people who call us today, you will be eligible for a free IMX leadership assessment and debrief, a $550 value free to you and your organization. So give us a call at 630-643-6336 and take it on. Hey, we're back. This is Mike Sherrick with Jason Hill, and this is Into the Gap. It's uh, Friday. It's a Friday, Saturday, March 20th. Saturday. <laughs> Man, I'm losing it. I'm losing it. This whole thing has is, is gotten crazy. So, yeah. Yeah, you were um, you were talking about uh, Mitch earlier, and the, the just the whole craziness that's going on in government. And like like I said, I think one of the things that's if you are half awake, you can't help but see the breakdown in all our various systems right now. You know, and I think yeah. this is a this is a great starting point where we can actually begin a, a you know a new conversation about what leadership is and what about what freedom really is. And what community is yeah. and, and how we can relate with one another. And, and you mentioned the guy who I think is really, if there is a hero in this thing, it's Andrew Cuomo. And I am not a Democrat. I, yeah. Pretty much they annoy the, the hell out of me, you know. But the guy stepped up. He's owning it. He's at the epicenter of this thing. He's, 
and and what I what I what I really appreciate it would be really easy for him to rip on the goofy mayor of New York, and he just deals yes. with him. You know, like the the, yes. the issue is bigger than the politics, and so. You know, I really appreciate the guy, and I appreciate what he's doing. And he's made mistakes, and he's, you know, he's not perfect. But right. you know what? He's he's human. And I think ultimately that this is what this is, is a human solution to this, you know? And and we all have to, like, embrace and engage in our humanity. So. And he's not a pseudo. He's not. He's either not a fool no. or a mystic. No. Or, no, what I'm saying, he's he's not going by hunches or feelings, no. right? No. So he's not there like the president saying, "Well, I feel like the death rate globally is just lower than it is," or "I feel like this is not a serious crisis as yeah. it is," or "I feel like New York barely doesn't need forty thousand ventilators." Well, I'll tell you what, I've got two cousins working mm-hmm. as doctors in New York City hospitals, yeah. and they're not catastrophists. They're not alarmists. It's bad in New York. No, They're going to need more than 40,000 ventilators, right? I, I and Cuomo is not asking for the, these ventilators uh, out of greed no. uh, or, you know, some sort of sense of, of again, uh, apocalyptic, you know, uh, he's not an apocalypticist. He's asking this because he need, because he, the state needs them. You know, Cuomo and, said uh, something, Cuomo said something this week that was one of the most brilliant things I ever heard. And it was about the stimulus package. It was about all this, right? He says, send us all you can send us right now so we can do what we need to do. And when yeah. we're past the, you know, the danger point, what we'll do is we'll break the stuff off and send it to the next hotspot because that's how it's going to go. There's going to be these rolling hotspots, you know, probably through June. And, 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 and what it is, it's going to be a week or two weeks of really high intensity, really high demand, and then it's going to be over. And then, then you go on to the next place. And because of our mobility as a culture, you know, I just saw the heat map from uh, from uh, spring break. It was intense where it goes. Basically, yeah. everywhere from the Rocky Mountains to Maine, from Florida. You know. Yeah. yeah. And and um, and so what's going to happen is this stuff is going to bounce around, and we're going to have to address it. And that's how you you know that's how you fight fires. You can't fight the whole forest fire at once. You pick a hot spot, you put that out. You take the next one, you put that out. It's how you chase the red X in a, in a manufacturing environment. You can't fix the whole system at one time. You get to the root right. cause of this problem, then the, then it identifies the next root cause, and that's how you yeah. solve problems, you know. And and Cuomo's yeah. the only guy I've heard address it that way. Yes, you know. Yeah. Everybody has these big strategic ideas, and 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 the the thing that's missing is there's not a lot of people that's ever had any on them, you know. Yeah. So yeah, and 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 since we've never had this done before. There's not going to be a lot. The, the, yeah. the real experts we have now are the people in the emergency rooms and in the respiratory centers in New York City. Those are the real and, experts. And Atlanta. I and just Atlanta. read that as we were taking a break that every single in, uh, intensive care unit bed in Atlanta, in all, all five of Atlanta's major hospitals really? are filled to capacity. Wow. Okay. Every single ICU bed is yeah. filled to capacity. So Atlanta's worried right now. Well, you know? I know I know in Chicago, one of the things I didn't realize is on an average day of the five major hospitals in Chicago, you know, Northwestern, University of Illinois, Rush, Loyola, and University of Chicago, on an average day, half of them are full, you know? Yeah. So it's not going to take a lot to get to, you know, critical mass, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I think that's one of the things we, we don't understand, that there are still people out there that are getting tr- cancer treatments, like your partner or or you know, other people out there that are getting things taken care of as we go, because life does continue on. 
you know. Um, there's yeah. a lesser degree, but yeah, so it's crazy. Um, I, I wanted to talk to you. One of the things I'm concerned about is with this social distancing and with the, the fear and the panic, um, what do you think the impact's going to be of the absence of human touch and real human connection? You know? Oh, it's 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 horrible. I mean, look, we we all we already, and I'm you know I'm I'm always like a little skeptic about these studies, yeah, uh, especially when they're done by psychologists. <laughs> uh, not not because I I mean, look, I have a certif I have certification in psychology. I spent a year getting a certificate in it. Yeah, while I was doing my PhD, so I have a great respect for them. But mm -hmm. because it's such a you know uh, how can I put it? It's such a subjective. Subjective in many ways, yeah. uh, science. Yeah. Uh, it's not a hard science like physics. Right. But anyway, you know, we're suffering from an before this whole thing broke that we're suffering from an epidemic of loneliness, yeah. which strikes me as plausible that we're alienated from each other. Yeah. Um, that we're, in spite of all the technology that we have available, that we're not, we're not emotionally connected, which and that we're we're not intimate, which means which is defined as uh, loneliness is defined as the absence of sustained intimacy. Yeah. I think this is really going to wreak havoc on the people who are already suffering from depression and anxiety. Yeah. But even people, um, I tend to suffer more from hypomania. I mean, my, that's my issue. I mean, I have to take pills to sleep at night because mm -hmm. I'll be up till six o'clock yeah. writing. I mean, people who are not prone to depression um, are who are outdoors people, like our Chicagoans who love their lakefront, yeah. who love the outdoors, who love connecting with nature. This is this is not sustainable either. I mean, you know, I mean, so this is the thing that we have to talk about, Mike. I mean, people are shut inside their homes. Yeah. They're going stir crazy because, yeah. again, the, I, and one of the things I love about Americans is that unlike no disrespect to the Europeans, but, you know, it's easier for them to just like vegetate on their couches because, you know, they'll, they'll get a welfare check from the mm -hmm. government. The yeah. nanny state will take care of them. Yeah. Um, Americans are are can't we're fixers. We, yeah. we 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 like to be out there doing stuff. We're productive people. We're workers. We like to work. We want to work. We're not a lazy people. Yeah. And um, this is going to wreak serious psychological ha havoc on people's people's sense of self esteem, on on their sense of agency, and um, we probably should you know really be reaching out to those people also in terms of their mental health and having a conversation about. Because everybody's talking about the physical health, which is important. Yeah. But few people are also talking about what it's doing psychologically to the people who are trapped in their home, the engineers who are trapped in their yeah. homes, um, the businessmen who are trapped in their homes, who can't go out there and innovate and open up the supply chain. Yeah. Right. The technologists who are trapped in their homes. And there's only so much you can do remotely. I, um, Jay, I know, you know, my constituency, the people I work with are typically business owners, business leaders, you know, the, yes. the, the guys that are top of the food chain of whatever their ecosystem is. That position in and of itself in good times is a lonely position. And it's an isolated position because oftentimes yes. the information they're getting has been massaged or it, it, it's not raw. They don't, they don't deal with a lot of raw data. They deal with a lot of massaged information and, you know, yes. and, and so it becomes difficult for them to get to the truth right away. And so they do feel somewhat insulated to begin with. And now when they can't even go in the office and so much of what they did before was relying on their sense of like looking at someone in the eye or just feeling the energy in the room or something like this, you know, that's how mo most of these guys mm -hmm. are highly, highly intuitive. And t 
to, to be isolated and not to be with their people or in their environment where they're, they're used to it. it. It's like watching caged tigers. And, and yeah. it's, it, and I actually got a message from one of them. It's re, he's really, this guy is a dynamic, dynamic man. And he's really suffering because of the insulation and, and the isolation. Yeah. And, you know, he's at home and he's got two kids and he's married, but it's, it's, it, there's this thing missing this, this, for lack of a better word, the sourcing or nurturing to the psyche that isn't available right now. And I don't know how long we can go, you know? Well, you know, it's true, Mike. And one of the things that I like to, I like to think about business the, and I, the business people or the, mm-hmm. or, but, but let's talk about men here, business yeah, men. That's really what I'm talking about. These are, these yeah. are mostly all men. Male. Yeah. I, you know, I've always had a soft spot for the businessmen of this country. Yeah. They're the backbone of the economy. It's small business, yeah. not the big corporate giants like No, 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 no. No, I'm talking yeah. about th- these are guys that are running businesses from yes. $250 they, million know, dollars these, down. Yeah. These people are the nurturers yep. of the American American society. I've never, I never thought about them in those terms until this pandemic. Yeah. Hit, that these people, these businessmen are the ones who nurture us and take care of us. Yeah. By supplying us with jobs, yep. by supplying us with goods, yeah. Uh, but they're the real. They were the. They're. There is. They are as essential as nurses and doctors Absolutely. to our economy. Absolutely. And these people must be suffering in tr- incredibly. You know, men. These men. Uh, not to discount the suffering of women. Mm-hmm. I'm not being sexist here, but I'm saying I can especially understand how there's something about the male psyche that's yeah. very different. I think, and, and people are going to be upset with me for saying this, but I don't care. care. I don't Who care. Cares? Yeah. Who cares? We don't care. This is this is it. this is into the gap, right. um, beyond comfort, beyond zone, you know, beyond, beyond the comfort zone. But you know, women are nurturers and yeah. and are taking care of the children. But I think this is hellacious for a lot of men. Yeah. Who are nurturers in a different kind of way? Nurturers by being producers. Yeah. By fixing stuff. By providing stuff, by protecting things, by leaving legacies, by building things. That, that's at the core of what's at, you know, one of the notes I have here is I, what I'm, when I'm seeing the absence of leadership, um, and this is, so get your trigger buttons out because this is going to trigger everyone. Um, one of the things I'm really seeing is the impact of the gynocentric paradigm that we live under right now, you know, mm-hmm. where there's this concern about feelings and about uh, equality and about safety and about fairness, Right. And, and so what's happened is fear runs that, that paradigm. Yeah. And the, whenever there's a threat that, that switch flips on. And, and if you look from the very beginning, there was not a tremendous amount of rational thinking. There was mostly like reaction and fear-based thinking Mm -hmm. that was going on. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think that's where this all came down from. And so we haven't even been able to inquire from any other way than the, the, this one perspective of fear. Now, granted, the fear is justified, but we'll get back to that because I really want to hear your, you know, your perspective yeah. on this because you're the professional thinker. I'm just a, a guy who used to drive a bulldozer, you know. So. <laughs> no, you got your hands on the ground. You're the like you're you're one of these nurturers, Mike. Yeah. So Jay, we uh, we dropped off, and I was uh, I was. Uh, setting people up for my uh, trigger warning on the impact of the gynocentric <laughs> paradigm. And I was just wondering, I get your take on that. If, if that's something you see, or is this just my own bias? Um, 
Well, I see it, but I, maybe I'm a little bit more understanding of why it's there. I mean, it's it's been there in the general sense, even before the pandemic yeah. started. Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Right. And it, I think it's just it's just accelerating more during this this period. And uh, there's a there's a yin and yang. There's a balance between, you know, the, that paradigm and 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 male authoritative ethical leadership that counterbalances that. Yeah. Well, and, you know, um, and, and that's where I think the real, the real solution lies is in, I love the word balance, Jay, because it's, it's going to be this ebb and flow, depending on really what's needed, where you put more pressure here and more pressure here, Yeah, you know, and, and you're, you're always creating this balance and it's through working together that the real solution lives, you know, it, it, and it is the yin and yang. It's, it's the, the both of it, you know, to, that needs to be worked. We, we need that nurturing, that, that pull for fairness, that pull for equity. On the, yeah. on the on the female side, because on the masculine side, what can go horribly wrong is the win at all cost, take no prisoners, you yes. know, drive it home and leave a wake behind us of dead bodies, you know. That's right. And and that's not the right answer either, you know. And I think what's happened uh, way too often, and, and we're we're going back to the either or, all the time, yeah. you know. Yeah. And the the one solution is this, and the other solution is that, and I think that's kind of what's happened with the with the two de- de- the two parties. You know, is one yeah. is, is way too far on this side and the other one's way too far on this side. And they're both missing the middle, which is where most of us reside, you know? Yeah. As, yes. my, as my brother busted me on yesterday, he said, he goes, Mike, you're in a disgusting centrist. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So my question for you, Jay, clearly we've got to get through this thing, right? Just, just for the good of humanity and the good for all of us. But is the cure or the prevention we're dealing with worse than the actual disease well you know again i'm gonna be real philosophical here and say that's a that's a false equivalent this idea okay. that, the cure, that the cure is worse than the problem because mm-hmm. the idea that somehow uh we're not going to have another outbreak in october or mm-hmm. another outbreak in january of next year is is again magical thinking so the yeah. idea that somehow you know um, this cure right now, which is a lockdown yeah. and which is social distancing yeah. is going to be worse than the problem. I think it's, it's really predicated on, on, a, on, on a false kind of thinking about it. The idea somehow is that we, if we really, really open up the economy quickly, mm-hmm. um, that, that that's going to be a good thing. But then we're not thinking about how we're going to be taxing an economy in which our public hospitals are filled to capacity and yeah. we have, beds in the streets and beds in, 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 in convention centers, McCormick center might be filled up with thousands and thousands of beds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I'm not buying into this, 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 this rhetoric that was foisted on the president by a tweet, by I think a Fox, a Fox news okay. and, uh, reporter or, or commentator. And the president has run with it that the cure is worse than the, the problem itself. I just think that's a, a bad way of looking at it because the idea it, it's, it's built on the idea that somehow um, there is a solution by a quick solution to opening up the economy mm-hmm. very, very quickly. And I don't know what the answer is. I'm not, I'm neither a, a trained scientist. I mm-hmm. listen to, I respect the scientists yeah. very, very quickly. And I'm not an economist by training, but I know, I know when to stay in my lane and mm-hmm. I know when to listen to seasoned experts and I know when to base my thinking and my judgments based on 
the years and years and years of reasoning. And I know that there's some economists yeah. and there's some, and a lot of all scientists and some yeah. economists are saying that this is not the solution. This idea that the cure is worse than the problem. Um, you open up the economy in two weeks time, fine. Uh, but what's going to happen when in six months time, when, you know, before flattening the curve, and I know you, you don't probably like that term, but before flattening yeah. the curve, we open the economy. And then we've got what? 2 million Americans infected and 15 times the death rate. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's it, why it, I'm it, curious in, in, in asking you, because you are a, a, a pure theorist and a professional thinker, right? And, and we've never had this problem before. And, I, and that's why I was really looking forward to, to, to today's show was because what do you see if, if you were if you were in a different position, if you were an advisor to Mr. Trump or if you were on Mr. Trump's cabinet, um, what would what would you be looking at and what would you be pointing to? You know, I would I would really look at what Italy did and and what uh, China did, but okay. I would not be as draconian as China. But let's look at what Italy did mm -hmm. when Italy the mistakes that Italy made. Mm -hmm. The, the Lombardy region uh, was heavily infected because the, 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 the leadership there didn't take, like our leadership is not right. taking or has not taken the infections, the, the rate of infection seriously. They Correct. took it very lightly. Correct. A lot of the viruses were imported. Once they realized, like especially in Milan, yeah. in that northern region, that this is serious, they affected serious lockdowns. Yeah. Testing, testing, I can't emphasize testing. We're under testing people. Yeah. Testing, testing, testing. And you test for two reasons. You test to see who has the virus mm -hmm. and you test to see location and how the virus is, is, yeah. is spreading. So I would you know, I would advise the president to look look really, really pay attention to what other countries have done. Mm -hmm. And we see that in certain regions in Italy that they have managed to put somewhat of a stall on the infection rate by enforcing certain measures. Now, Mike, those measures are going to be completely against the spirit of what we as Americans are used to. Yeah, and no. that, is a, that is a question that Americans have to ask themselves. Because yeah. make no mistake about it, you cannot go out and party with your friends and have you know, these thousands of gatherings and hundreds of gatherings yeah. in a pandemic. That's not going to happen. Yeah, no, I, I, underst I, would, I understand that. It, it, it's really interesting, Jay, it, it, and it's, I think I told you Wednesday I went out to, I went to the Morton Arboretum. And for those of you who don't know what the Morton Arboretum is, it's about a, roughly a thousand acres of trees and bushes and wildlife. And, you know, it's, it's just a, it, it's a natural beauty. It's some hills in, in Lyle, Illinois. And uh, so I went out there and, you know, I drove through part of it and then I walked through back on the, they got a bunch of like really uh, relatively rustic trails. Yeah. And, you know, I, I probably ran into 50 people and everyone kept their distance and everyone acknowledged one another. And, and, and there was a sense of we're all in this together. You know, mm -hmm. there were no mm -hmm. conversations clearly, but, and, you know, there would, it'd be groups of people. I mean, there were a lot of people like me by myself, but there were all, there were also groups of people and, and groups of two and some families of like, you know, four or five people. Right. And it just, I, 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 the thing I, if people are informed and if they're given a choice, Yes. You know, you can't help but choose the right thing if you really are grounded in what this is about. You know, uh, if you're a dope, if you're not paying attention, if you're insulated, if you're incredibly arrogant, if you're narcissistic, 
Mm-hmm. Then, then you're going to be a dumbass and you're going to go party on the beach and lick toilet seats, you know? Um, yes. Yes. One of the things about living in this country is we grant that second group of people a pretty wide swath to operate yeah. in, you know? Yes. yes. And I think one of the things that can happen is there can, we can start demonstrating the consequence to really aberrant behavior again. We, we've really allowed uh, for some crazy stuff to go on for a long time. And, and if, because of political correctness or for whatever, you know, because we don't want to mess with it because we don't want to bother. I don't know what the reasons are, but uh, you know, I, I think there's a, there's an opportunity here for a much higher level conversation of what does it really mean to be free? And then with that, um, the ability for us to really become responsible for that because freedom ain't free, man. Talk to anybody who's been and fought in a war anyone who's trained in special forces, anybody who's actually had to deal with the bad guys, you know? Yeah. Um, it, this is a special place we have here. And if we don't take care of it, we're not going to have it. You know? Yeah. So. Well, the other thing I would say to the president, Mike, is, you know, yeah. uh, another thing, a brutal fact that Americans have to be made aware of is that we have always, and we more than know, mm-hmm. suffer from a dramatic, shortage of nurses in our hospitals. Oh God, no doubt. My sister's a nurse. Yeah, no right. doubt. We a huge yeah. Oh my God. So, you know, the president's immigration policies, a lot of which I defend and, mm-hmm. and have respected, but some of them have just been ridiculous. Yeah. So, you know, the restrictions against Filipino nurses. I was just and, gonna say, how many how many nurses come from the Philippines? Uh, but they're and they're actual the medical doctors. Do you know that? Yeah. Are they? I, I didn't know um, about 50% of those nurses that are Filipino nurses are actual medical doctors. Yeah. 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 So, you know, this is another thing that we're, we, you know, we, 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 we have a shortage of computer scientists. Yeah. I, I know that in my university, we don't even have uh, enough um, Americans to fill the PhD programs uh, in our computer science departments. Yeah. Right. So we have to think about, again, the supply side, so I say testing supply side. Yeah. Um, uh, these are things that I'm, I'm quarter, I'm sure quarterbacking, you know, looking back no. retrospectively at what we did wrong. Well, um, we've got way too many, uh, hospitality and, uh, beverage management majors and not enough right. computer science and nursing majors. Clearly. Listen, man, yeah. we're done. We're, uh, we're going to wrap All right. up. It's great Hang talking to you. Thank you so much. Hang in there, everybody. Take care of yourself and take care of your family. We'll be back next week. Jay, anything you want to say before we go? Oh, I just want to say to the American people, you know, we'll get through this. We're resilient people. We're, we're tenacious. And we'll get through this. We'll get through this. Hang in there. Just um, yeah. have faith. Well, thank you, man. Love you, brother. Love you, too. Talk to you All soon. Right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. This is Mike and Jay. This is Into the Gap. We're out of here with the dead. When the lady says-